Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, which, as uh, I should mention, is proudly supported by our sponsor and Superman fan, Patrick O'Neill. So we thank Patrick for his continued support of this monthly podcast. This is show 123, released on March 25th, 2015. My name is Steve Eunice, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Scotty V. Hey, Scotty. Hey there, Steve. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Things going well. Um, I apologize for my throat is a bit uh, deep and croaky this morning. I've uh, had a pretty big weekend of uh, of using my voice, both uh, at the Rugby League, cheering on my beloved Rabbitohs, at my uh, under-9s team that I coach in Rugby League, uh, and also Saturday night singing at karaoke. Wow. Yeah, you sound completely horrendous. Thanks. <laughs> no, I mean, I can't even notice the difference. I didn't realize you did karaoke. What uh, what songs did you sing? Oh, we did a few, actually. Uh, my brother-in-law and I do uh, very good Everly Brothers. Um, we love to harmonize together. Um, I do like a lot of the old school rock and roll stuff. I did, um, I did a Beatles song. Uh, what else did I do? Um... Oh, I did one Crowded House song, which is an Australian New Zealand band that's uh, probably not familiar to you, but uh, yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, it was it was it was good. I, we enjoyed it. I've heard night. Crowded House. I, I don't cool. remember offhand what they sing, but uh, I think this is news. Uh, you know, unless you've talked about it on the live show, I think this is big news. It's like a breaking story that's developed <laughs> via the Radio KAL podcast. Steve is a big singer. Didn't know about that. Yeah, I play the guitar. I was in a band for a while. Wrote a few songs. So yeah, I've, uh, I haven't touched the a musical instrument in a while. It's collecting dust. My guitar upstairs. I haven't got into that but uh, yeah he used to be pretty big into it for a, for a while wow very cool something yeah. new to me i don't know who out there knows that but uh, for me it's a new new story there you go, a maybe. new chapter in the life of steve Eunice. Very maybe nice. you and i'll have to do a uh a, a harmony a, like do a, a duo sometime uh we know you we love should. to sing at the end of your uh, uh great scott segment so we we often see you uh you know just uh, going for it yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm being a little goofy in those segments, but uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be honored to to sing along with the uh, the uh, the great Steve Nunes. Uh, too kind. Well, let's get into our podcast topics. I'm sure people would rather hear about that. And we don't really have much movie news this month. Um, we're usually like nearly all about movie news though, and have been for quite a few months now. But it's a bit quiet now. Ah, you know. Movies cancelled. <laughs> We know that they're uh, well into the uh, editing and post-production phase, and so we're not. There's not a lot of stuff that you know can get out, and there's not a lot of uh, leaking stuff that you can really report on. There's still rumors and things about scripts and what the story might be about, but that's kind of quietened down. The only thing we really do have is uh, an interview by Jason Momoa uh, speaking about Aquaman and the involvement or lack thereof in. Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. He also um, created a bit of a stir this uh, well, the last couple of weeks. He signed an autograph for someone and wrote a very uh, nasty comment about Marvel while signing that um, that autograph, which created a bit of buzz around the internet. I don't know if you saw that one. I did see that. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, my understanding is a fan asked him to write that specific comment, and so he did. <laughs> Um, apparently, you know, uh, 
it turns out that fans are pretty um, emotional and connected to no. their chosen company. So really, this, they, uh, hey, I'm just hearing this is the first time for me. I'm 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 not aware of this kind of thing, but apparently there's a r- little bit of a rivalry going on between uh, Marvel and DC, yeah, and this yeah. particular fan wanted him to sign the poster in in that manner, and so he did as kind of a goof, as kind of just a fun yeah. little thing for the fan, and uh, you know it's been brought up that almost every character from the Avengers movie and their actor persona at different venues has said similar things about DC. Mm. So it's not all that unusual and it's not the first time anybody's done it. And it's not something that he should be vilified for. I think, uh, I think we should just move on. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's get to the comments that he did make about Batman V Superman. And that was, he says uh, that it's, you know, justice league is still quite a ways away but he's looking forward to it. He says that Henry's a sweetheart. Ben is a bad, bad, bad ass. Um, what else did he say? He says that uh, it's Batman and Superman's movie. It's not his movie. Uh, it's the first time in history to have them both on the screen together, and he's just excited to see those two up there. So uh, it's obviously, you know, if Aquaman is in it, which we anticipate he is, it's a very minor appearance. Yeah, I, I like... Uh... I like reading the comments that he made. It sounded to me like he was uh, very excited about it. Yeah. Um, apparently he went into marine biology or almost went into marine biology cool. or was involved in some kind of marine biology when he was uh, going to school. So it's kind of interesting that he's going to become Aquaman now. <laughs> um, they, they talk about the, um, you know, he mentions that Ben is a badass, that, but they, they talk about the badassness of the Aquaman picture that was released. And mm. this, of course, has caused crazy stir on the Internet uh, with him not looking like most people would have expected him to look, I guess, based on his comic book counterpart. But uh, the fact that maybe this picture tells us that this is going to be an Aquaman different than what most people expected, not just in look, but in the idea that he might actually be a cool person to be, which a lot of people might not think he is mm, of Aquaman. Yes, he's been derided quite a bit, uh, and the ba- the the butt of a lot of jokes. So, um, be interesting to see how Jason Momoa does play Aquaman, and just how much of Aquaman we see in the upcoming Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice film. But as for we also the, have yeah. a recent uh, a recent article with Henry Cavill from right, Mode yes. Magazine, where he stands Correct. up for Superman and uh, talks about how happy he is to be playing the character, and he was asked if he would rather be wearing the black because Batman's more chic and looks more stylish and cool. And uh, he says, no, he'd never say that uh, he'd rather be this superhero or that superhero, that he's Superman. And I, I that kind of attitude, uh, we've talked about Tobey Maguire or other people playing superheroes before who talk about how they don't want to be remembered for that role or they want to move on because they think they're being typecast or they need to... Mm-hmm. You know, not that he's not doing other movies. You know, this uh, article talks about Man from Uncle coming up and uh, another film that he's going to be doing. So, I mean, he's got plenty of other opportunities, and we'll see how that goes as far as him uh, being successful in other films. But I, I just like how he's very proud of the role and he's very protective of it, uh, which is something I, I don't think I've seen uh, from a lot of the more recent uh, superhero actors. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, that was great to see as well. He says, uh, I'm incredibly loyal to my character. He says... Uh, in, I'd never say I'd prefer to be that superhero. He says, I'm Superman, which I think is fantastic that he's claimed ownership of the role and he's proud of it. That's oh, great. Yeah, it is, definitely. So as for movie news, that is pretty much all we have this month, but we do have lots of TV news to get through, which, again, is a bit of a flip side to what we're used to 
on this show in recent times. It's been always movies and then a little bit or nothing of TV news. But with the Supergirl TV series coming on CBS later this year, we've had a lot of Supergirl news come out in this past month. Uh, we've had our first photos of Melissa Benoist as Supergirl in the Supergirl costume, which uh, I did a full article on the website about, you know, analysing it from head to toe and my thoughts on it. Uh, I think you've made a comment uh, in your Great Scott segment on the Speeding Bulletin. Uh, overall feelings about it now, a couple of weeks later? Um, I like it. I mean, I still yeah. think it looks really great. I think it, it's, it strangely resembles the Man of Steel costume, yep. even though it seems as though they're not going to be connected or uh, DC doesn't normally connect their television properties okay. with what they're trying to do in the movie universe. But I don't know. May, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping. I think other people are hoping there might be some sort of a connection. But uh, I, I think the costume looks really cool. You know, it's, it's strange. You know, whenever these kinds of things come out about um, comic book characters, movies, TV, whatever it is, there's always the contingent that says, man, this thing is going to flop huge <laughs> after seeing the pictures. You know, yeah. um, the idea that a Supergirl show on TV, especially on CBS, might flop or might hit the ground pretty badly is not necessarily a surprise to anyone that people might feel that way. I mean, mm -hmm. I myself don't have... I don't have particularly high expectations in terms of it lasting. It could still be a great show, but CBS is definitely not the network that I would have expected it to be on mm -hmm. because it's just not, they're not a network that does that sort of thing, but they might be, uh, they might be smart in trying to get on this um, crazy train that's uh, speeding out of control as far as, superheroes being everywhere you know mm. netflix has got series coming on now and and a playstation network just released their first series and it's it's based in comic books and there's people being cast all the time for new superhero projects on television that i hadn't even heard about yet there's a preacher series mm. coming out so cbs trying to get on board uh, kind of makes sense but it was a strange announcement that it was going to be on cbs so i'm a little worried that the, the that the ratings CBS might expect from a TV show might not be gotten from a Supergirl series, but as far as seeing the photos of the costume and the girl cast and, and saying that uh, because of this casting or because of this costume the show's going to fail seems like a seems like a leap. Yeah. Um, just but uh, yeah, I mean I like the colors, I like the uh, look of the uniform. I mean I guess there was some complaint about the black tights or, or whatever she's wearing. Uh, that aren't skin toned or, or something along those lines. But other than that, I think the costume's pretty traditional looking and it certainly looks like Supergirl to me. Mm, yeah, that surprised me. The traditionalist, well, the traditional angle of the costume design that it was very similar to the Supergirl costume you've seen in the comics or the Superman, Supergirl costume you saw Helen Slater wear. Yes, the colors are a bit muted uh, compared to what, say, Helen Slater wore in that movie. But again, it's just two photos. We don't know the. Uh, context of uh, the lighting and all that kind of stuff. We don't know. Haven't seen it in daylight. Uh, we haven't seen it, you know, in action. So, but as far as the design of the costume is concerned, not necessarily the colours. I was surprised that they went with such a classic look, and and pleasantly surprised at that. I think it's great that uh, you know it's not taken that route of trying to become uh, all edgy and um, and modern as far as maybe making it a trench coat or you know some kind of uh, a different look that mimics. A, uh, a superhero costume that we're, you know, we're familiar with as far as tights and capes and that concerned. Uh, it actually went the the way of what a Supergirl costume 
has looked like in the comics uh, for a long time now with the skirt and the boots and the cape and the, you know, there's some complaints about the, you know, the, the little uh, design features as far as whether the, the yellow background behind the S is missing and it's just the blue of the costume showing through. As you mentioned, there's the Man of Steel kind of elements with the uh, pattern in the blue areas and, and the red areas of the fabric, uh, which have that kind of chain link kind of uh, pattern to it, similar to Man of Steel, which I think is is you know is fantastic it looks good um yeah she's got tights underneath uh on her you know underneath the skirt and boots which i think are red toned from what i can tell um uh, which makes sense for a superhero who's going to be flying around in a skirt uh <laughs> you know so i think it's uh, i think all all in all i'm really pleased me too and i i think that um the, the 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 costumes on television oftentimes if you look at dean kane's uniform uh it changed from yeah. season to season it even changed from episode to episode especially yeah. in the first season yeah. as they were making adjustments and changing it to you know they see what what it ends up looking like as they light it or as it's outside or yeah. or just they want to make it look more regal or whatever they added some extra cape pieces to his uniform at times and things like that and it changed so this might not be the final statement on this costume, but as it stands at the moment, I really like it. And it's the award-winning costume designer who also designed the Flash costume. And I think on television, it seems like for some reason, and I've heard complaints about this, fans seem to think, and, and it seems to be supported by evidence, on television for some reason, DC has been kind of sticking to uh, what the comic book character kind of feels like and looks like and, mm. and acts like. And, and Flash is a very, um, very comic book inspired series. I still think it's a little too cheesy, but his costume's pretty close. I think it should be a little redder if, if I had my way. It looks more brown, um, which is an argument people had about the uh, Brandon Routh uniform on Superman. But I think the Flash uniform is even darker than that and doesn't really look red at all. So I wouldn't mind seeing that costume brightened up as we move on as far as alterations go. But it does seem like with movies, they try to go really dark and really scary and really edgy, as you said, and, and that you're glad they're not doing with this. Um, but on TV, for some reason, they seem to stick with more more a traditional idea of what people think. Because Flash could have easily been a kid in a T-shirt mm. running around uh, as the Flash without – but pretty much in the first episode, he had the uh, – pretty close to what people would expect for a flash uniform. So it is something that DC seems to be doing more of on television where they're not really changing too much to be cool on film. Yeah, so uh, it's uh, good to see those photos of Melissa Benoist as Supergirl. And filming has started on the pilot episode. It's well underway now. We saw some photos from the set in LA and both uh, at the like wherever they were in, in exterior uh, photo shoots, as well as some photos using the backlot at Warner Brothers, uh, and surprisingly, uh, and I guess uh, pleasantly surprising, they used uh, the or oh, appear to be using the backlot scenery from Lois and Clark, which was the exterior of the Daily Planet building, and uh, it seems that they'd be filming uh, at that location, not necessarily designing it to look like. The Daily Planet. Obviously, they're using it for something else, but I think it's just not. It's nice how they come back full circle. Yeah, and it's stuff that's kind of, I guess, been around for a number of years, and and it's still there, and it hasn't been destroyed, and it's still able to be used. So, anything that they can do, I guess, to uh, 
a little, I don't know that they're doing it for fans. I don't know that they're doing it as a nod to a previous series or if it just happened to be something that was around to use. Um, if you remember with Lois and Clark, a lot of it, I think most of it, if not all of it, was filmed on a studio backlot. So anytime they were outside, they really weren't. Anytime they were, you know, it, 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 oftentimes I, get, I got the impression that it looked really uh, fake. It didn't really look like, you, you know, you were on a city or, or that the scenery was changing all that much, you know, mm -hmm. because on a back lot, you can only do so much. Film it from a different side, film it from a different direction, film it coming from the north as opposed to the south. Uh, but I, uh, so I'm sure they won't do that on TV nowadays, but they might just be using some of those locations for something that they're doing specifically. Yeah, exactly. So it's great to see that they are using, uh, you know, that they've even thought about that. I mean, I think that's, it's, you know, it's nice. They're using... Um, you know, different things that are a part of the history of these characters, uh, including some of the actors, which we'll get to. Um, we've seen uh, some casting announcements, uh, which we'll get to in detail now. Um, one of them being that they're seeking a Superman body double. Uh, obviously, Superman is in this universe. He's mentioned. We've seen some script bits that, you know, uh, Jimmy and Kara uh, talk about Superman being around. And here we have this casting call for Superman's body double, so I'm guessing we're not going to see Superman's face. We might not hear him talk. It might just be, you know, somebody, a photo, or, you know, Superman standing there where they shoot him from behind, and you just see the presence of Superman in the pilot episode, and therefore they just have, they need somebody who's, you know, muscly, six foot, whatever the case may be, to act as Superman's body double. Do you remember a show called Birds of Prey? Yes. Yeah, it was a Batman spin-off type of show yep. with the uh, with the uh, the girls, a Huntress and um, the Oracle, and mm -hmm. I guess uh, Black Canary. And it, they had flashbacks, and I think even in the title sequence, they had either shadowy visions of Batman or actual uh, uh, shots of Batman. You never really saw him very well but it was clear that it was a batman influenced show and it was a, batman historically had something to do with the yeah. creation of these characters and uh, i could I, I, as i heard this that they were casting a body double my thoughts went to that and and that in ways that they could use that in either the opening or in either a flashback sequence or in her thinking about her cousin or knowing that she has to do something similar or something along those lines to yeah. where yes we're not going to see henry cavill or an actual version of Superman, probably because they don't want to confuse people or or have two different versions of an actual different actor playing Superman. But uh, the idea that he's around and could he could he possibly be wearing something similar to what's going on in the film universe? Who knows? But uh, just the idea that he's out there and how they're going to present it, I find very interesting. Knowing that it seems like that's what they're doing mm. to to be used as, as you say, maybe a photograph, but maybe a flashback, or maybe something that she's thinking about, or maybe she's admiring something um, along those lines would be pretty interesting. And I'm wondering, you know, with the Supergirl movie with Helen Slater back in the day, they made mention early on that Superman was off planet trying to negotiate peace in another galaxy or something this is going to be an ongoing TV show. And with the hopes, when you release a TV show, you want it to last five, six, seven years and do really well. I find it, I'm going to find it interesting to find out how Superman is not going to be involved at all, knowing that Supergirl is going to be facing some 
crazy threats or, or whatever's going to be happening on the show that he wouldn't show his face. It kind of reminds me of the discussion we have about the comics a lot. Yeah, where I'm, I'm, say the same thing. I, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty much turned off by the fact that there really hasn't been a lot of familial contact between the two mm. uh, very often, and, and they haven't really had any heart-to-hearts. They occasionally meet up, they battle something, and then that's it. So I'm wondering how that's going to go. But it's very interesting to know that they're going to be using Superman in some capacity. Yeah. So uh, we'll, and I, I did contact uh, Josh Boltinghouse, who is the official town Superman for the Metropolis, Illinois Superman Celebration. Uh, he's an actor. He's a stunt double. He does a lot of different things. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm sure he sent in his resume uh, an application for to play Superman's body double, and I couldn't think of anybody better. He just has that presence about him, so that would be fantastic if uh, he ended up being in the part. Yeah, it's very. I mean, he has a very different look than that of Henry Cavill, but they're probably not going for that. As mm. I said before, they're they don't generally connect, or they haven't been, and they've said that the TV and movie universes will be two separate things. Yeah. Um, so him having a, a kind of a different look than than Henry Cavill, and of course not seeing his face anyway, that you know could could work. That would be that would be kind of cool. So. That would be. Uh, you know, we'll, wait and see. we'll see what happens. Yeah. Now let's get into some of these casting announcements that were announced this past month. Um, let's start with what is, as we said, connecting this Supergirl series to past incarnations of both Superman and Supergirl. And that was the announcement that Helen Slater and Dean Cain both cast in what we are, what was termed as top secret recurring TV roles. Uh, there has been some conjecture that they will play the Danvers, as in Kara uh, Danvers' adoptive parents, uh, but I don't know if that will be necessarily the case. IMDb has them as that, but that could be just somebody's wishful thinking. But we do know that Helen Slater and Dean Kane are involved in the Supergirl TV series, which I, I love. I love this kind of casting. I love it too. I know I have a lot of people calling it stunt casting and, um, you know, in an attempt to get people's attention, CBS has done this, whatever. And all of that may be true to some extent, but I also think it's nice to, to reach out to these people who have been involved in the past and have been so in, in, integral to uh, many generations of people's interpretation of what these characters are. And certainly if they could be on the show in any capacity, I think it's great. And I would love it if they were the Danvers. Now I'm not sure what type of role Kara's earthly parents are going to take on. Um, In Smallville, we saw John Schneider and Annette O'Toole every episode. I don't think there was any, of course, until John Schneider's character died. Jonathan died on the show. Uh, And and hopefully that's not spoiling anything for anyone. Um, I'm not sure what the length of time is you're supposed to wait before you talk about (laughs) these kinds of things. But um, they were on every episode. They were integral to the show. They passed on a lot of thoughts to Clark, a lot of wisdom to Clark, a lot of love to Clark. So they were very integral to what was going on but on that show clark was growing up and we, we we saw him go from a ninth grader in high school all the way up to working at the daily planet after 10 years but on this show she's already going to be in her mid-20s and already going to be working at a news type organization from what i understand so it may be that you know unless her parents live nearby in the same city it may be that they may only be needed for the pilot or maybe they'll come back every once in a while recurring as you say but not be starring on like mm. uh, like the kents were on smallville uh, on lois and clark the kents 
were in the main credits and they were on several episodes, but they weren't on every single episode. Yep. But because you're Superman, you can fly back to Kansas in two seconds and talk to them and they can be there in a scene here and there. So it could be something like that or it could be something completely different. And obviously they might not be the Danvers at all. We do know that Helen Slater won't be playing um, Allura. Um, Correct. Supergirl's mother, which is unfortunate. I would have kind of liked to see that. But on the other hand, the Earth parents might be cool too. So Dean Kane could be playing Zorel. We haven't heard casting about that. So there's a lot of speculation and a mm-hmm. lot of different types of characters that they could be. Hopefully they're they're of some substantial use and substantial importance. Uh, that that's what I hope for. Yeah, definitely. So it's uh, it's great to see that they have been cast and that they are involved. And we saw a photo of Helen Slater and Melissa Benoist together on uh, on on set wherever they may be for the Supergirl during the Supergirl filming. And it, you know, it's 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 just nice to see. I love that these actors who are you know so well known in that universe uh, um, really take to it and you know um, just embrace it and you know move forward uh, passing the torch if you like if you like to use that phrase to the next generation of uh, actors who are playing those similar characters in you know newer versions so that's great to see uh we also have other casting news uh Calista Flockhart a well-known name a well-known actress playing the role of Cat Grant uh, a bit of an older Cat Grant than probably what we're uh, used to seeing but not necessarily so uh you know it uh, could be that this is, um, you know, 10 years after the fact that Clark's been at the Daily Planet. So, you know, Kat could be, uh, you know, towards her 50s uh, in this show. Yeah, I spoke about this on Great Scott. It is unusual. Most of the casting that I have seen has put the cast age at like 35 or something. I can't remember exactly, but uh, it's clearly not a CW show in that they tend to cast modely types who are in their 20s that that look better than anyone any of us have ever met. Um, but uh, not that these people don't look fine, but they look they look older and they look like more a more diverse. Uh, aged cast Mm -hmm. and Callista Flockhart is certainly not the as you say uh maybe it's not the Cat Grant we would expect but on the other hand she's really only been portrayed in 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 alternate media other than the comics on on Lois and Clark as far as I know oh well I guess she was on uh Smallville and she on there I guess was a younger uh, a a modely type uh sexy hot chick or whatever which is kind of what they did on that show um but she's not really that well known to general audience members. So mm-hmm. on this show, uh, same kind of with Jimmy in a way. It might just be that they want to use these names, and uh, and other than that, they're just going to be new characters on this show that are doing whatever they do. And in this carna- incarnation, maybe Clark never worked with Cat, or maybe as you said, she's ten years past the time that she worked with clark who knows but um uh, obviously a well name a well-known name uh, i guess could help any project get off the ground so it's probably good casting for whatever they're going for yeah and obviously calista flockhart well known for ali McBeal, um you know is in here in this show cat grant the um the name behind catco which is the company that uh cara is working for and obviously she's you know the ceo or whatever it is of her own agency there and so uh is uh, more than just the um you know say in, in lois and clark she was 
the uh, writing the column for the, you know the love lawn column or whatever it might have been she was that you know that bit of an airhead type um cougar kind of female that was you know not really had didn't really have any kind of substantial um role to play other than being a flirtatious love interest that kind of got on Lois's nerves uh in her affections for Clark so I, I guess that was uh, a different role and in here she's going to be I guess a bit more of a you know um uh, a modern woman if you like who's you know a, a businesswoman who's knows what she wants goes out for it gets it and you know he's a strong kind of character and uh and Kara's boss which is always good you know on television to have especially on a show where presumably uh, girls are going to be watching it, younger girls who want to see a show about Supergirl. Uh, CBS is doing their thing where it's a crime procedural that happens to have superpowers and stars a 20-something-year-old Supergirl. But uh, the idea that there are strong females in the cast, you know, we have Helen Slater playing whoever she's going to play. We, of course, have Alora being played by a, a fairly well-known actress, even if it's a show I never watched. And now you have Calista Flockhart, who uh, hasn't really done much of anything, I don't think, since Ally McBeal. I'm, I'm not a, I don't follow her work, but you might get some of the people who are now 50 and 60 who watched when uh, Ally McBeal was on and who were big fans of that, who might tune in if they use her in the promos and that kind of mm. thing. Now other roles we have, uh, Kyla Lee uh, is playing Alexandra Alex Danvers, which is uh, Supergirl Kara's foster sister. And uh, we don't know too much about her other than that she's a bit of a science kind of, uh, you know, she's into science and things and has been ever since, you know, learning about Kara's powers and growing up as her older sister. Um, so we have her, Kyla Lee, playing that role. We also have uh, David Harewood uh, joining the cast. He plays Hank Henshaw, uh, which is a different, again, a different Hank Henshaw than what we might be familiar with from the comic books. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, I think one of my my next uh, Great Scott episodes is going to, to discuss some of the changes in casting that you that people might have expected for characters that at least the comic book fans know of uh, on this show. You know, you have Jimmy, you have an older Cat Grant, you have David Harrowwood playing uh, a character that. Uh, was created basically to impersonate Superman. So the fact that uh, assuming Superman is a white guy in this universe, uh, the Supergirl universe, the the idea that a guy who was supposed to be an impersonator of him could be a different race and that people would still be fooled seems a little unusual. But obviously in today's comic book world, that really isn't the case with um uh, the cyborg Superman, which is whom um, Hank Henshaw becomes, although in the comics, as far as I know, there is no Hank Henshaw because mm. the cyborg Superman is uh, is uh, Zorel, who is Kara's father. It's very <laughs> convoluted. Yeah, convoluted and very confusing. So who knows what's going on there and who knows how they're going to use him here. But when it was originally being cast, I don't believe it said looking for Hank Henshaw. I think it went out as cyborg superman so i'm not actually being that we don't know what superman's role in this is and it's a supergirl show and since cyborg started cyborg superman started out as an enemy of superman's i'm I'm interested to see where they're going to go with him being on this show and obviously on this show i guess he's an fbi agent 
who is trying to ferret out alien presence on Earth or, or something along those lines. Yeah, so he's says, not uh, going to be the cyborg Superman, at least as yet. Correct. It says that uh, in the CBS take, in this Supergirl TV series, the character is a one-time CIA agent who runs now runs the Department of Extra Normal Operations, otherwise known as DEO, which uh, tracks extraterrestrial threats on Earth. Then it says, in the comics on which the potential series is based, Hank Henshaw is Cyborg Superman, which obviously is a description from a previous, you know, a while ago, but just because the comic books Hank Henshaw is Cyborg Superman doesn't mean in the Supergirl TV series that Hank Henshaw will be anything near the Cyborg Superman. In this version, he's going to be a guy who runs the Department of Extra Normal Operations and tracks extraterrestrials on Earth. Then next up, uh, we have the announcement that Jeremy Jordan was cast as Winslow Shot, and we also got to see some set photos of uh, Jeremy and Melissa crossing the road together, obviously in some kind of scene as Kara and Winslow, or Win, as he's probably known in this TV show, uh, walking to work, I guess, or work, walking from work. Uh, they are neighbours in this show who also work at the same company, Catco, and supposedly Jeremy uh, Win has a uh, a bit of a carries a bit of a torch for Kara, uh, and as comic book fans know, Winslow Shot will end up being the Toy Man. Yeah, this is the one casting that that actually completely goes against what I was saying before about them not being a WB show. Um, this guy, from what I've been hearing from fans, comes across as a uh, hunky kind of uh, same as Jimmy Olsen, but he's a little bit older the guy who plays Jimmy, um, hunky kind of sweet looking modely type boy who is going to somehow eventually, or as known as in the comic book world as eventually becoming the toy man. We may get to that in this show. We may not. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're doing a lot of name dropping cat grant, um, you know, and Kenshaw yep. and now Winslow shot. It seems like, for fan service, they're trying to use a lot of these names. Who knows what type of Winslow shot we're going to get? Um, if he, if he, you know, becomes evil toy man because the torch he carries for Kara is not reciprocated, that's kind of a weak mm. uh, creation Hopefully, of a yeah. supervillain. But uh, we'll see what happens. I guess um, it's neat that they're using names from comics. I guess for fans, even if they seem to be possibly changing those characters quite a bit. Yep, uh, so that was uh, the casting of Winslow Shot. And then we move on to Farhan Tahir, who is another familiar face to a lot of people who watch TV. Uh, He joins the cast as um, an alien military expert, who I think they're going to call the Commander. I think that's what the the name was. Uh, Again, a familiar face. He's been in, in a number of movies and TV shows. Uh, and kind of just adds a bit of starch to the cast, I think. Yeah, it's interesting, too, that there seems to be a, you know, a lot of times on television, not so much on The Flash or or whatever, but a lot of times on television, they tend to, even on Lois and Clark, they tend to stay away from really heavily getting into science fiction-y, comic book-y type ideas and the idea that there's an alien military expert on this show and that Hank Henshaw is an alien expert tells us right away that uh, there is an idea at least that there are aliens among us and they're not going to shy away from that idea. Obviously Kara herself is an alien so CBS is doing something that I don't think they're they're specifically known for and that is um, 
having a show that really is going to have sci-fi elements or the the idea of aliens being in existence. So that makes it cool already, the fact that it's not just going to be a CSI knockoff that happens to have Supergirl in it, but they are going to do some alien stuff. Yeah, and I guess if Superman is around in this universe and has been for a while, then the whole thing of aliens being amongst us makes sense that the government has, you know, uh, or that there are, you know, departments that are looking into the fact that there are aliens amongst us. Um, So it's, I guess, not just something that's bizarre. Why do they have some department looking into aliens if obviously they know about Superman already in this universe? Right. So that was, uh, uh, what was his name? Faran Tahir, who has been in um, uh, Iron Man. Uh, So it's, he's, you know, like I said, a familiar face. And uh, the only other real casting announcement, which is a l- an interesting development, I guess, is this character Vartox, uh, who is has been in the comic books for quite a number of years, going back uh, a long time. Wasn't necessarily a super villain as such, but uh, a Wayne uh, Yoman or Yeoman has been cast in the role of Vartox, uh, who in this description that I saw appears to be a character who will be a, a villain or who will go up against Supergirl in a physical uh, throwdown. Well, it's interesting. I guess Supergirl doesn't necessarily have a well-known rogues gallery. You know, people talk about Batman quite a bit as far as having the best rogues gallery in uh, comic bookdom. And Supergirl isn't really widely known to the audience that might be watching this show and her villains that she has come across in any particular telling of her story over Mm. the years are going to be even less known. And of course that includes Vartox, but I think they're looking for just like they are with, I guess in the pilot uh, lumberjack is going to play a role Uh, like just like they're doing with him. I think that they are searching out possibilities for villains, you know, um, on comic book series a lot. They've, they've done it on arrow. They've done it on the flash. They did it on Lois and Clark. Uh, characters are pulled from obscurity oftentimes or pulled from a different area of comics where they might not be the same type of character that they are in this incarnation to be used for whatever purpose the plot calls for. And I think that might be somewhat the case here, but also hopefully maybe he's more of a, not necessarily evil villain, but, but a, a foil or someone who, you know, he's an alien. So, maybe they'll come across each other and have disagreement in ideologies or something along those lines. Right. And maybe he'll be recurring and maybe it'll be a, you know, season long or series long kind of a brainiac type of thing where he's this ultra intelligent, uh, alien and, uh, he and Kara disagree uh, in some way. Yeah. It could be anything along those lines. So, uh, wait and see what, uh, Wayne Yeoman's role is as Vartox uh, in this upcoming Supergirl TV series, which we're both looking forward to. We have some reservations about it. We're not necessarily sure that it will be a massive hit, but we're we're very hopeful because we're excited to see anything Superman-related on TV again. So uh, let's uh, keep an eye on further developments for the Supergirl TV series, which, as we say, is filming already with uh, the pilot episode well underway uh, there in L.A. Uh all right, let's move into some comic book discussions and talk about what's happening. 
what is happening with Superman, uh, it just seems to be all over the place. Uh, we have this convergence event about to take place in April and May, which, as we know, is a two-month event that's crossing over previous continuities, previous eras, mashing them all up in together, uh, tying off some loose ends from previous versions. Uh, just an event that I think is going to be a lot of fun. But after convergence, it seems like there is this massive overhaul, a soft relaunch. We know that they're getting rid of the branding of the New 52, that they'll be saying farewell, uh, ending some titles that we've uh, been seeing for a while now, bringing in some new, some like 24 new titles while remaining with 25 of the ones like Action Comics and Superman and Batman, Superman and Superman Wonder Woman. They will continue. But what we thought was they would be continuing with the same New 52 continuity looks to be shaken up by the fact that Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman all have new looks, new versions of themselves. Is this something temporary? Is this a new thing going forward? Why has Superman gone back to the t-shirts and jeans with the buzz cut? Why is ba Batman looking like he's some kind of rabbit mecha warrior thing? What's going on? It's a very strange development, and I am not entirely sure what's going on. You know, I've been having some conversations with people who... Uh, have complained enough about the uh, the costume he's wearing now, the supposed redesign by JRJR um, that had him having long sleeves that were over his hands and just looking very sloppy. And I've tried to explain to them that that's just uh, Junior Junior's art style, sloppy. Um, I think that's a class you can take, sloppy, when you go to art school because he's this big name and that's what it looks like. But, uh, you know, actually, that was just his version of pretty much the same uniform. There was big talk about the major changes, but it was only in that one panel. And, and I haven't really seen any lasting changes to the uniform after that. You know, it's still the originally redesigned. Uh, and when you look at it as drawn by Jim Lee, it looks great. And obviously, he's Superman. But I, I continue to hear people saying, not my Superman. And, and a lot of times they're not even talking about his attitude or who he is or what he does. They're simply talking about the fact that when they look at him, there's no briefs, so it's clearly not Superman. And well, that just seems like a silly attitude. Obviously, it's not exactly the traditional uniform, but it's basically just a little darker with the briefs missing. There's a collar, yes, but it's still clearly a Superman uniform, and it's still clearly Superman. Now, if you come at me with issues with the story, issues with the way the character acts, if he's burning people's faces off willy-nilly, then maybe you could say, well, this isn't Superman. And now we have this t-shirt thing with the black background S, and the buzz cut where he looks like a military guy or a thug of some kind, which is very, very different from anything traditional. Although with the new launch uh, in 2011 of the New 52, we started with Superman with a T-shirt and jeans. And it's kind of a cool thing. And I said before, you know, if in reality you suddenly developed superpowers or you grew up with superpowers, you might someday decide that you want to help other people with it. But I don't know that you would someday decide to start wearing a costume to do it. You might just go out in your clothes or you might just be somewhere when something happened. You're not going to run to a phone booth to change into a uniform. It's more symbolic in Superman where... Uh, someone's falling from a window and he says, oh, wait, I have to go to a phone booth and change into a different outfit in order to save this person. Um, it's very important 
can I get into this other uniform to do it? So let me go do that before I save her. And some people might say, well, maybe you should just worry about saving her. But he's very fast, so he can go ahead and do that. But this new look is very different from anything anybody expects. And we don't necessarily have a reason for it other than it's coming off of convergence. So my attitude is that probably this is yet another temporary thing that maybe falls out of convergence that maybe uh, all the characters that are introduced in convergence or reintroduced still haven't worked their way out and we still haven't gotten to a finalized version of where we're at and all this is speculation on my part but i think that it's something they're just going to do to continue that storyline and and uh, continue the, the 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 adventure in the further adventures of these comic book uh, characters yeah, I kind of got a feeling that it's something coming out of Convergence that it's either an alternate reality, some kind of a twist on reality, something that's happened that... I mean, some of the writers are coming out and saying this is permanent, get used to it, but they said that about uh, Electric Superman back in 1997 with the new powers and the new suit and the new costume and everything. And, yeah, that lasted for a year. Um, but I have my doubts that this is the way they're going to be moving forward permanently, it just doesn't make sense, you know, we, um, it doesn't look like Batman, Wonder Woman doesn't look too bad, although I'm, I've said before, I think Wonder Woman fans might argue that point. Uh, Maybe, and- I really like Wonder Woman's look, and it's really not that different, there's a little more black, and her legs are covered, and they tried to do the pants thing a while back, so it's not really that much different than what she already was uh batman's is probably the most drastic but that could be a temporary suit uh, a suit you know he has a water suit he has a space suit he has different suits he wears at different times this looks like a battle suit of some kind it does look mechish as you said like anime or something um but this might not be his everyday look this might just be something he's wearing um uh, at a specific time or during a specific story but he's very very different and then of course superman we've seen with the t-shirt and jeans look i'm not sure what the explanation will be unless it's just as you say an alternate universe type of thing that spins out of convergence i don't know why he would suddenly go well seven years ago i started off wearing a jeans and t-shirt and i really think that's the way to go so i'm going to start wearing that again Uh, yeah it doesn't seem like something he would go and do but I think the lesson out of this is that you and I and a lot of other people talking about this out there really don't have any idea what's happening. We've only just seen the June solicitations come out with all these covers, with these images, with the descriptions of, you know, what's supposedly this big truth arc that's going to be, uh, you know, um, permeating through the the Superman and uh, family of titles in the month of June. So beyond that, we really don't know too much. It's speculation. Uh, it got it's got people talking, which is probably what DC, you know, were aiming for. It's what they want. They want people, want fans, to be arguing the points with each other to see what's going to happen. Entice people to read these comic books when they do come out. And it's a bit of a mystery, which I love. I, I think we, we're missing that kind of element in our comic book reading these days. We kind of find out too much with interviews and solicitations and all these things about what's coming ahead of what actually comes. And then when we get to read it, sometimes it's a bit of a letdown because we've built it up to be something uh, more than what we what's actually on the page. So when there's something that is a mystery and we don't really know what's happening, uh, it kind of adds a new exciting element to it that I think is missing a little bit. 
Yeah, I think I agree with that. Uh, and that's with anything, movies, TV. Yeah. You know, we hear so much now because of the age that we're in. So if something can be kept a secret for a while, it's nice. You know, I personally would rather not have seen these images and just fell into it in the story because then some of the arguments I have with fans about this just isn't Superman, where I'm coming from the attitude that it is, it's just another point in his life. It's something he went through. You know, I felt that way about the electric blue Superman, and it's still really hard upon for being a very huge misstep and just a giant i think from the very beginning they knew it wasn't permanent even though they were saying that it was Mm -hmm. and they were doing something that was a shake-up in his life and and obviously from the standpoint of business anytime they do anything they're trying to get people to go i wonder what this is all about let me read it now because this doesn't look like superman let me find out why and i think that that's the idea here now oftentimes like with electric superman and i'm not sure what the sales were at that time, I just know that most fans I know that have lasted this long still say it was a huge debacle. Um, it can backfire on you if you come out with something like this military buzz cut look with a T-shirt and jeans and uh, and then people could stop reading. And that's what's happening with a lot of fans. And it's what happened when the new 52 was launched, although I guess numbers went up for a while, but then they went back down and now they're lower than ever in a lot of cases. So they're trying to shake things up. They're trying to get eyes to their books. And when you release solicits like this that show you, for some reason, these characters are changing their look again. You know, it's a lot more important, it seems, these days, what characters are doing with their style as opposed to (laughs) what they are as far as as heroes or as their story. You know, the style seems to be really, really big. Well, I um, guess uh, comic books is a visual element, a visual um, medium. So uh, what what looks you know good on paper is what people uh it attracts them first you know we say don't judge a book by its cover but a lot of the time you're browsing through the comic book store or even if you're doing it digitally through the uh, online uh, apps and that you're looking at the the images that's what captures your uh, your eye before you actually get to read what's inside so i guess uh you know these kind of covers in the solicitations are a very big talking point because that's what people see first both in a, a, a literal sense as far as uh, the solicitations coming out first and a physical sense when you go to the store and you're looking across the shelves. Well, I think that's what they've always tried to do. You know, That's why yep. you get a really good cover artist and that's why you really come up with something dynamic so that you uh, make people want to pick the book up. And then, of course, all the media attention, I mean, online media attention, not real media attention. I don't think real news outlets care what type of haircut Superman might be wearing in the comic books. But, you know, the attention that it's getting is what they want. Now, how it will play out may or may not be what they want, depending on uh, if they get readers for it. But I certainly uh, agree with you that I don't think this is a permanent thing. Yeah. All right. We'll wait and see what happens come June. So let's get into the comic books that did come out this past month that uh, we've read. I've read uh, uh, most of or all of these that we're about to discuss. I think you've missed out a couple from this week, but uh, you're up on what's happened and what's taken place. Uh, although it's the most recent comic book that came out in, in as it's only just been released this past uh, week, Superman number 39 was delayed. Um, and, you know, it was actually all the number 40 comic books, Action Comics 40, Batman, Superman 40, uh, Supergirl 40, that did come out this past month. Superman 39 uh, was supposed to be at the end of last month, but it did come out a little bit late, and it is the final Jeff Johns chapter in his run on the Superman book, and it uh, follows on from the previous 
book where Superman used that solar flare, that new super flare power that he's got uh, to defeat Ulysses. He has now been powerless, or is powerless for what we assume will be a 24-hour period until he gets to recharge his cells. And he's let Jimmy Olsen in on the secret that Clark Kent is Superman. And uh, understandably, uh, because he's powerless, Jimmy is a bit uh, dubious at the claim and doesn't really uh, believe it at first. Uh, he's uh, in a mix of emotions at, at the news. Um, and the way things pan out, it's very interesting because he's get to see the character of Superman come through Clark Kent, even though he doesn't have his powers, he still leaps into action to save people and help people and use the symbol that Superman has become to talk down uh, a hostage taker, you know, even though it could spell the end of, uh, of himself because he doesn't have the powers to face the gun that's put out in his chest. Yeah, I really like that um, aspect of the story. You know, I read about it and... Uh the idea that he's willing to risk that and the idea that Jimmy is um, scared for him and, and then actually berates him afterwards for doing it. Mm. Um, and, and Superman saying, you know, I didn't really have a choice, you know, something had to be done and I'm the guy to do it. That's, that's Superman, you know, and, and a lot of these people um, who don't like that he doesn't have briefs now or whatever and saying, well, that's not my Superman. I guess you can, say that just because of a look you can say well you know uh if he doesn't have the briefs or if the red isn't red enough then i'm just not going to read it seems like you you're you're doing yourself possibly a disservice or maybe you're just not interested in reading comics anymore or maybe you just hate the look so much that it's just not worth it to you or whatever but clothes don't make the man um superman wears a uniform for a reason it's a symbol and we're all kind of used to it and it's traditional but Superman is who he is because he's Clark and because he wants to help people and because he can and he does. So he could wear a gym shorts and a T-shirt. He could, you know, he could wear whatever. It wouldn't matter because we know he's still Superman underneath. And and my favorite incarnations are the ones where he is Clark most of all. And Superman is the creation that he uses in order to hide his friends and family and what he does for a living from other people, enemies, so that he can still go out and help people as Superman, but doesn't have to jeopardize people that he's met in his regular life to do it. So obviously we need the uniform. We love the uniform, but this proves in this story that it's not necessarily about having powers or about what the powers are or about what you look like or whatever that he still is Superman and it's just part of his being to, to be the hero and to help people. And I really like that part of the story. I did find it funny and I was reminded of Tempest from the Lois and Clark story when Jimmy was unsure and uh, whether he wanted to believe Clark when he told him he was Superman. Um, it's kind of like, look at me, I have glasses on. I'm Clark Kent. Now I'm Superman because I took them off. Well, duh. Uh, the idea that he's dubious um, when it's kind of somebody that as soon as you look at him, you should go, oh, well, he's Superman. Um, maybe during your everyday life, you can go, well, he just kind of has a passing resemblance to a guy who might be Superman. But once he points it out to you and shows up in your in your living room wearing the Superman uniform, obviously it's slightly different because his other one was burned away. But um, uh, that's just funny. Yeah. And uh, it kind of i wasn't sure how this whole jimmy knowing the secret thing would play out or how i would feel about it but it kind of 
it, it works in a way. Um, you know, I don't know how permanent it will be, especially with things that are happening moving forward, as we've just spoken about after convergence and everything. But, you know, Superman or Clark really doesn't have anybody in this version of the story to confide in. He doesn't have anybody that he can really let in on the secret or go to, you know, as he did with his parents, the Kents, uh, when, you know, because they're not alive in this version. He's not married to Lois or in a relationship with Lois. She doesn't know the secret, so he can't go and talk to her. Yes, he's got Wonder Woman, but he doesn't have anybody in his Clark Kent persona that just in his everyday kickabout life uh, that he can just, you know, um, sit down and, and have a chat to. And uh, so Jimmy is a natural, I guess, uh, person for that and in this version of the story. And it kind of works here. It kind of, you know, they have a good relationship. It's, you know, two guys, two buddies. And and uh, so I kind of, yeah, I, I was, I was um, happy with the way this played out. The artwork doesn't, I don't like John Romita Jr.'s artwork. I think it's sloppy, as you say. I just don't think that it adds any kind of uh, depth or believability to the story. I just don't think it works But uh, for a Superman comic. But it, uh, the story itself was pretty well written, and I enjoyed uh, it as a conclusion to Jeff John's run. I just, I really think he has gotten lackadaisical in his celebrity status because I do see some of those X-Men comics and some of those Wolverines and Spider-Mans or whatever that I have, that people have shown me. What do you mean his art's bad? And I go, well, that art's not bad. Um, I don't know what he's doing here. And I don't know if this is what his new art, if this is what his continuing art you know, looks like at this point, maybe he's just so famous and paid so well that it, he doesn't have to worry about um, good art anymore. I don't know because those, oh, I don't know if you've looked at any of them, but some of those old, the old work he did for Marvel and stuff actually looks yeah, like good comic book yeah. art. And, and uh, this just doesn't. And people are saying, well, his style just doesn't work for Superman. This style now, I couldn't imagine working for any character. It's just sloppy. It's it's ugly. The proportions are off. Everybody looks weird. Uh, it just doesn't work. Mm. Um, you know, if you did Wolverine that way, it wouldn't work. Uh, but he, it does seem like he had the ability at one point, where maybe, like I said, just doesn't care anymore to, to put that much effort in, or doesn't have to. You know, when people come uh, breaking down your door because they want their name on their comic, you probably don't have to do as much as you might have had to before. Uh, but that's what it seems like to me it doesn't seem like it's a style thing that just doesn't work with superman i just don't see that it would work now with anybody although i have seen examples of his art from the past where i could see it working on any book if you put that kind of time into it yeah it seems to be a style it does like a choice that he's gone with this kind of more cartoony style that just doesn't work it just as you say anatomically the characters look wrong uh it just seems as well, the word you used earlier was it just seems sloppy. I, I I don't know why he's chosen to go with his style for this particular book. You think you'd want to stick with what you were famous for and what brought you the notoriety as being a great artist. So, um, yeah, I I just I can't. Psst, can't his get father's to it. name. <laughs> what? Who said that? I don't know. Uh, let's move on to Action Comics number forty, and this again was. I love this story. I just I think it's it's nice to be able to have a fun comic book again. It's just nice to have a self-contained story. It doesn't necessarily have to make sense in where it fits because we don't know how Superman fell through this rift at the beginning or how he ended up there. But it just was a nice, fun story. It just had a bit of a light-hearted moment to it. Um, I, you know, there's no reason comic books can't be fun 
these days, and I thought this was a nice chapter to end off the um, you know end of the new 52 kind of moving into convergence era that um, just went down well with me. Hmm. Interesting. You didn't like um, it. <laughs> I didn't like it. Um, uh, I really didn't like it at all. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned that it's nice to have <coughs> uh, a self-contained story where you don't have to know how it happened. You don't have to know how he got there. And it's just fun. And it, end, it begins and it ends and it's over after one shot. Part of the conversation I was having about this ain't my Superman, uh, someone else was chiming in. It was on Facebook, so anybody can chime in. And someone else uh, had mentioned that uh, what he misses about comics most is that uh, he used to get 12 issues a year that were separate stories and you had 12 adventures and you had 12 plots and you had 12 different things that whoever you were reading about was dealing with. And now everything is event driven. So everything is four five, six. So maybe you get three or four story arcs if you're lucky, as opposed to 12 different stories. I personally love a TV show when it's a full season of a bad guy or a full season of the characters developing. It's 22 episodes of something happening. I don't love episodic shows. I don't love one-and-done villains. I don't love um, a, a show that 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 uh, doesn't develop or doesn't have a running themes going through it where characters change and things happen and things matter from one episode to the next. Um, this isn't this isn't a TV show we're talking about, but that what I prefer is a continuous story that at least has callbacks to stuff that went on as opposed to being like a CSI where it's over after one episode. But that isn't the reason I didn't like this story. I... I feel like there's no continuity, and we've talked about this before. Bizarro has already been a story. Uh, we've already seen Bizarro. We've already met Bizarro. Superman proves it, where at the beginning, he first doesn't know where he is, but then in the next panel, he calls him Bizarro. So he clearly knows who he is, but he first acted like he didn't know who he was. Um, he didn't know where he came from. He didn't know who these weird people were. But then he's calling everybody by their name as if he's on a first-name basis with them all, and he does know them all. Um, I also think that in almost every Bizarro story, the dialogue is wrong, that they are not exactly sure where they want to go with it. He says, I'm not here to fight you, to Bizarro. But then he says, oh, now he's got me doing it, referring to the backward speak. But I'm not here to fight you is exactly what he meant to say. So he wasn't backwards speaking, unless he was referring to the fact that he said he didn't want to fight him, but then punched him in the face, which is opposite from what he said to what he was actually doing. <laughs> I'm not sure. But then Bizarro later, or one of the Bizarro people says, me am hope this lamentation never ends, because they're happy, they're cheering. But what he should be saying is, me am hope this lamentation ends soon. In other words, I don't want it to end. So I have to say I want it to end because that means I don't want it to end. Uh, so it's, it is a confusing language. It is confusing to write it, and it is confusing to read it. But it should be uniform throughout. And if what you say, what you mean is opposite from what you say, then everything should be opposite. Later on, he says, who is your old, he says, who is your new, who am your new friend, friend? But it's not a new friend. It's a new enemy. So he should be saying, who is your old enemy enemy if he means friend and he means friend to him. So 
it's a little backwards in a lot. And then at the end, of course, we get told that there's going to be a brand new Bizarro book coming in June. And I say, oh, God. <laughs> Don't you mean, yeah, hooray? Oh, yes, I do. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I can understand how the backwards talk can get confusing. And I can understand how writers can probably uh, not maintain that, you know, um, level of backwards talking and sometimes, you know, make a misstep. It, it's confusing. It, 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 I guess that's part of the challenge of writing a Bizarro book and part of the challenge of reading a Bizarro book is that it, it makes sometimes no sense whatsoever. But um, I also think it's, it's telling that it took Superman so long to defeat Doomsday, but, but Bizarro does it in two seconds. Oh my gosh! Now he's taken over. He'll never get away. And then two seconds later, he's saying goodbye because he's back. And then I go, but it took Superman six months to break out of uh, of Doomsday's hold. And Doomsday is supposed to be this dumb creature who has no intelligence, but somehow he has a, uh, such a strong hold on Clark Kent that that Superman can't break away. And instead, he's going around killing people in Doomsday's name. But here we have this dumb as a rock Bizarro character who's able to do it. Uh, in seconds so that kind of with and i know this was just supposed to be a silly fun story i don't like silly fun i don't <laughs> I, I never have I, i'm not a silly fun kind of guy you know i zombie just came on tv this week and the promos made me believe that it was really cheesy and really goofy now i'm not i'm down with humor i like comedy but uh but if it's all goof and cheese and it just makes no sense and people are acting silly the whole time it's not going to do it for me i've heard yeah. it's good so maybe I'll give it a shot, but uh, the promos really sold it badly for me. But some people are looking for that, so maybe that's exactly what they wanted to do. Mm, yeah, and I'm not into silly humor or slapstick stuff or any of the stuff that's just you know ridiculous for the sake of being ridiculous. Um, I guess just in the context of what we've seen and what, how everything being so serious around comic books, of you know everything just seems to you know. And I guess maybe that's part of the reason you you, you don't like this is because. We've come to an era where everything has to be explained and has to be make sense, and you know everything's got to be re in, based in a reality and you know have uh, a, a basis on previously what's happening. You know this character, this this before. So how come in this now it's happening this way? That that's not consistent with what's happened before. I just kind of I like to every now and then let go of that and go. You know what? For the sake of this story, I'm happy to let go of that. This was just a little bit of fun, and I enjoyed it without trying to connect it with how previous versions of the characters have acted, or how it, you know, the consistency of that character, of his power level, or whatever. Uh, it kind of was just like a breath of fresh air, and yeah, I don't need to jot it down as being okay. Well, Doomsday defeated Bizarro in three steps, where Superman took him three months. Uh, this is an imbalance in the universe, or whatever. I just went, you know what? So what? No, I get what you're saying, and and. Uh, That's not a criticism of you. I've just, you know, just no, saying, right. sometimes I just felt like, yeah, so what? Let it go. You know, big deal. Just for fun. Just yeah. for fun. And I get that. I mean, and and sometimes fun comics, you know, uh, can be fun. Uh, if they're fun, then they're then they're, then, it, then it works for you. For me, it didn't, and yeah. that's okay. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, we like we like different things sometimes, and that, that's good. Actually, exactly. uh, yeah. is this the way that they're gonna? Have him beardless now? Just some fairy thing? Just uh, magically made it come off as a one piece? <laughs> Maybe, because it hasn't been explained anywhere else, has it? No, it hasn't. That's it. We now know how Superman shaves. 
Yes, that's it. <laughs> uh, magical fairies. Uh, you don't like this? Poof, it's gone. It's gone. That's it. It's not actually gone. It's here. It's floating. It's a beard. It's still beard shaped. <laughs> it's just in Bizarro's uh, orbit around Bizarro world. And maybe Bizarro has it in his Fortress of Solitude now. <laughs> right. Like a, case. a trophy cabinet. <laughs> that's right. Very good. Well, let's move on to Batman Superman. Number 20. And in this story, uh, it's kind of... I felt really bad for Superman and Supergirl in this story because they're coming up against f- family members from the people who were stuck in the city, bottled city of Candle. They're being used by, um, what's his name, um, Zadu, uh, to, uh, you know, he's, you know, in their minds, he's making them do the things that he wants them to do. They're battling Superman. They hate him. They hate Kal-El for, you know, they think that he's the reason they're trapped, being trapped in this city, that he didn't care and all this kind of stuff. So it's his auntie and his grandmother and Kara's uh, friend from school when she was on Krypton who are all battling against uh, Superman and Supergirl and they don't want to fight them because it's their family, their friends. It's just, it was kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. And uh, there's Zadu in the background laughing his head off at the predicament that he's uh, got these two in and uh it, it all seems to be working in his favor well he set them up right i mean that's the whole thing is yeah. that uh, he somehow put his machinations to effect that to where all these people believe what he's saying and believe that they're the enemy and we saw a kind of development of that at the end of the last chapter of this and and we see it continue here and and you know they're not the only ones who hate them it seems that the entire city uh, knows that they're the enemy and, yep. and that they're they're bad bad business and and that's just not obviously not true from superman and kara's point of view but but uh zadu has made them believe that uh that it is true and we see of course uh batman i've i've, I've heard uh, people crowing about how batman again gets to be the, the badass here and gets to be the hero here and gets to have the cool lines and gets to be the smart clearly the smartest person in the book because he puts this whole plan together and uh, i'm not thrilled about that but um I know it's a team-up book, so I guess we got to have Superman brawling at times and Batman figuring stuff out. But uh... yeah, and to Superman's credit, he um, he's up like he he's all over this plan. Um, you know, he he recognizes the, you know what happened with Batman and Carol's going. What you knew that you know Batman didn't die, and he's going. Well, you know, I knew that Batman would never turn his back on an enemy, so I understood that it was a plan. And you know, so it was it was a team-up situation that. Uh, enabled them to, you know, come through it together. Uh, yes, Batman was, you know, um, in- intrinsic in what happened, but so was Superman. You know, he understood what was going on and played along with it and went along with it. And, you know, it came to, uh, it's, you know, it happened to save the day based on their knowledge of each other's moves and, and actions. Oh, very good. I like it when it works that way much more than... Yeah, Superman being necessarily, you know, or needing to be needing to be saved yeah. by Batman all yeah. the time or whatever. And Lois played a good part in this as well. Uh, so it was uh, it was a good story all in all. Um, it kind of wraps up the Batman Superman story to a point where uh, Zadu has been you know sent back into the Phantom Zone, uh, but there's obviously more to play out there uh, if they want to pick up on those threads down the line at some point, which I'm guessing they probably will, depending on what happens post-convergence. So let's move into Supergirl number 40. And again, we have another conclusion here. And this continues on the battle for the Crucible uh, and uh, Supergirl trying to 
uh, stop the the bad guys from cloning uh, the clone, as in Superboy, uh, Con, uh, and you know the come together of all uh, Maxima and all her friends from the Crucible come together to defeat the bad guys in this story and wrap up the story and supposedly wrap up Supergirl's title because I'm not seeing a Supergirl 41 after the Convergence event. There was no Supergirl title mentioned in June. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I didn't realize that, but I when I was uh, looking to read up on this issue, I saw uh, the, 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 the synopsis of it in previews was something like uh, the final chapter in the, uh, what's the name Crucible. of the school? Crucible. The Crucible Academy storyline uh, sees this era of Supergirl come to an end, and I and I, I didn't quite understand what that meant. Um, I wasn't aware that this era of Supergirl was coming to an end. Uh, I can't, if that is the case, I can't say I'm entirely surprised nor that upset about it. Mm. Uh, it hasn't been for me. It's been forty issues of not goodness for the most part. Although um, I, 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 you've heard me say that. The Mike character was kind of going to be a throwaway. We haven't seen much about him. He's been there once or twice. It does seem like he's she's going back to him at the end of this story. But if we're not going to see a continuation of that, that's kind of unfortunate. Mm. But um, at least he wasn't forgotten about. And now she's going back to Earth, which probably she should have never left to begin with to go to Crucible or, or whatever. But uh, it was a strange, for me, it was a strange arc. It was a strange story, most as mostly as what the entire book has been since the relaunch, in my opinion. And it did seem a bit rushed. Supergirl number 40 seemed like a very quick wrap-up, convenient wrap-up, maybe because they were told that you have to wrap this up by issue 40 with convergence and everything, and so it get, didn't get to play out in the way they intended. The the artwork, again, I don't know why the artists can't get the S-Shields on, the sim, on, their, on Supergirl and Superboy's uh, costumes right. They just It really stands out as being a sloppy attempt, again, there's that word again, at uh, trying to, you know, at, at putting an S on a pentagonal uh, graphic it just i don't know why it was so hard it just was so obvious um it wraps up in a really strange way at the end supergirl seems to have been become powerless at the end of this she says that all her powers are gone and she's just like a normal human being and and working in a coffee shop and going on a date with Mike yeah, i didn't and, understand that i didn't understand why that was the case it yeah, seemed like there necessary? was any reason for that yeah where did her powers go I mean, I know she was weakened at the end of 39, but then they seemed to come back so that she could fight, and then now, now they're, I don't know. Yeah, she's back on Earth. She says, oh, I feel revitalized. The, the sun's, you know, uh, giving me back my vitality and everything, but then, you know, she's all weak and powerless at the end, and I don't know if that's meant to indicate that that's the end of Supergirl, and so Kara just goes on to live a normal life, working as a barista and having a date with Mike, and that she's just going to live a normal life. But that seems a bizarre way to just that's it, end the story. Now is that is that much. because did she ever, did she ever regain them after uh, a bad guy took them away? I, yeah, well, I didn't she, read this one. I, yeah, I read she, a synopsis. But... I mean, she used her heat vision and telescopic vision to uh, get yeah, yeah, Con right. out of the you know the contraption that he was in. So. So she still had her powers. So what happened between there and getting back to Earth that took them away again? I, that's the mystery. That's the mystery. 
the mystery that won't be established won't be figured out because no. there's not going to be a 41 i guess exactly or it looks like there isn't going to be that's, that's a strange thing yeah so it was a bizarre way to end it off i don't know why they just couldn't leave her with her powers back on earth trying to come up with a normal life while still dating mike and uh, still having her powers but i guess we'll have to wait and see if that answer is ever ever given to us or if it's just one of those mysteries uh moving forward Beyond Supergirl number 40, we thought we would have Justice League number 40 and Superman Wonder Woman number 17 to talk about, but they actually will be released on the Wednesday that this podcast is also released, uh, as will, we hope, we think, Superman number 40, uh, but seeing as 39 was delayed to this past week, uh, we're not sure when Superman number 40 will come out, but we will talk about those three comic books in our next podcast. So... The only other thing we have is, before we get into our big question, is this uh, big world record attempt that DC Comics are planning to do. It's uh, a big worldwide event that will attempt to see people all dressed as uh, DC Comics superheroes um, participate in this world record attempt on April 18th. Uh, It will kick off in Queensland in Australia at uh, Movie World, the theme park on the, uh, the Gold Coast here in Australia, and then we'll go all around the world depending on your time zone and end up with a commemorative close in L.A. at Hollywood and Highland. Uh, a big fun event. It's got uh, all over the U.K., Taiwan, France, uh, California, Spain, Philippines, Mexico, Australia, Italy, uh, Brazil. It's, it's amazing how wide this is going. Yes, it's. Uh, I mean, it's cool. I like it. You know, we did a thing in 2008. Uh, you and Neil didn't elect to participate, but uh, <laughs> the three of us that were there for my family uh, all dressed as Superman to set the world record, and that held for about a year. Mm. Uh, so probably less than a year, actually, but until the next book came out when someone had already beaten it, and now I guess DC is getting involved themselves, and this uh, should be uh, this should be something that stands for quite some time. Yeah, and this is people dressed as DC Comics superheroes, not just Superman, which is what we did in, uh, or what we saw at uh, Metropolis, Illinois in 2008. Uh, this is for uh, characters of, I think, of, of uh, villains and heroes alike. Any DC Comics character, I think it is. Uh, it's a, a big event on April 18th, and uh, as I said, multiple venues around the globe within 24 hours to sell, set this world record attempt. If you want to find out more about it, go to facebook.com forward slash DC Comics World Record. And uh, I think the hashtag that they're following on both Twitter and Facebook is hashtag DC World Record. So uh, get involved with that April 18th. Let's start with the big question. And now it's time for the big question segment of the show, where last month's question was... What do you think of Makad Brooks being cast as Jimmy Olsen for the upcoming Supergirl TV show? And uh, Brad Glynn wrote in, if the guy can act, why not? It doesn't bother me if Jimmy Olsen is black or white, but will he be wearing a bow tie? Oh, no. <laughs> will he be wearing that will break or make or break the uh, the character? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, without the bow tie, how are you even going to know it's him? It's like <laughs> Superman without the uh, trunks. Uh, clearly not my Jimmy Olsen without a bow tie. 
Yes, yes. Thank you, Brad. Uh, nice thoughts there. Love bringing up the, the bow tie. Uh, Anne wrote in, and I think this is my niece, Anne, who says, I don't really understand why there is such a buzz around this. I may be completely wrong, but in my opinion, it seems calling the character Jimmy Olsen is more of a nod toward the Superman fans rather than being another iteration of the character. When you look at the character's description, it's more of a brand new character who happens to be called Jimmy Olsen rather than a traditional Jimmy Olsen who has been changed to fit the story. Either way, it should be a great show. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Anne. Well, listen, uh, Smallville was another show that I think screwed up the Jimmy Olsen thing. Not to say that Supergirl definitely will, but along the lines of what Anne is saying, um, you know, the guy who played Jimmy Olsen had already played another character on Smallville, and then they cast him as Jimmy Olsen. And then it seemed by the time he was killed by Doomsday that he really wasn't Jimmy Olsen, but that he was the brother of another younger sibling who was going to grow up to be the real jimmy Olsen, and it again was very convoluted so it seems i think i agree with ann that they're just using these character names mm, yeah H hector wrote in i don't know how to feel about this the only way to decide is to watch the show well how about that we've got actually somebody who is sensible and says i'll wait and watch and then decide Hmm, that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Not at all. Thank you, Hector. Uh, yes. Mike D writes in and he says, I'm fine with the casting. The question seems to be whether McCard Brooks looks right for the part. To me, the look of an actor or actress is rarely the issue. This is about storytelling, so the important question is about character. I'll be fine with McCard or any other actor in the part if the role is written and acted such that I recognise the character of J Jimmy Olsen. Personality, function in the story, interactions with other characters, these are the things that define a character and make the character recognisable. If they're going to use the name Jimmy Olsen while giving us a completely different character, then they are doing a disservice to the Superman mythos. If the character doesn't behave and interact like Jimmy, then the character should have a different name. However, if I recognise Jimmy Olsen as Jimmy Olsen, then traits like skin colour, hairstyle, even gender are rather unimportant. Why did Lawrence Fishburne make a good Perry White? Why did Samuel L. Jackson make a good Nick Fury? Character Trump's appearance. Thank you, Mike. Well thought out. Mm, lots of stuff in there, and and mostly true. I, I, I tend to agree with that, although uh, I'd rather not see lots of changes to characters that we know for long periods of time. But if mm. the just like with plot or any show that I'm watching, if if the story is good enough and the characters are well written, I'm going to keep watching or keep reading in the case of comics, whether or not they make some changes that aren't what we're used to. Yeah, I mean, Donna, I would, sorry, I was just going to say, I would like say we saw a su Superman story where the guy looked exactly, exactly like Superman. The costume was exactly the way you wanted Superman's costume to look, but he was a villain. Then you would go, no, that's not Superman just because he looks Superman doesn't mean he is Superman. So I think what he's saying there is the character, the way he interacts, the the style of you know what Jimmy Olsen's supposed to be, rather than what he looks like, is more important. I agree with that. Although I do think we have already been told, and, and we already <laughs> see by the way he is that he's not going to be the normal character sure. Jimmy Olsen because yeah. he's he's this hot guy who Kara has a crush on, who's older, who is more established, who is not kind of awkward or nerdy or anything mm -hmm. in any way so it's, it's it's clearly already been changed and not just by skin color yep. um it's a different character although we have to watch to find out how different or how he fits into that jimmy Olsen mm -hmm. mold donovan hunter wrote i think it's a great cast of choice i think he's going to bring bring some charisma to the character of jimmy Olsen, and i'm looking forward to the show oh thank you donovan some well thought out 
comments there. And lastly, we've got John who uh, wrote in saying, when Joe and Jerry created Superman supporting cast, they, there weren't any black characters holding jobs that, uh, black people holding jobs that Superman's cast held. So the, they created the characters as white people. As much as, I, as, much as I'd like to see uh, the case to be otherwise, it's just not. And just to change a character that's been around for 75 years, just to show to show the we won't that just so the show won't have cast that's all white is not respecting the writer, the artist who created the character, or respecting the character. New characters are created all the time in the comics, animated shows, movies, and TV. So instead of changing character from who they are or their race, why not create or add a new character or characters that are similar to original characters, but not change them into something they're not. Um, I kind of disagree in a way there. I don't think it's disrespecting the writers or the artists who created those characters. It's all, you know, he's asking to us to respect the character. What about respecting, you know, what's actually real as far as having diversity of people within a current version of the show? Uh, we're not talking about recreating a 1938 comic book or story. We're talking about setting these characters in a 2015. Well, I mean, I, I definitely I see where you're coming from there, but I can also see as far as what's real, depending on where you live, where you work. I mean, I've had um, a number of jobs, and occasionally I have a decent mix of diversity, but other times I'm uh, surrounded by all one type. Um, the, the school that, that I went to and the school that my children are going to um, is probably a population of the eight percent that are not white um so it, it depends on where you're at and where it can happen i certainly don't think it's necessary or even necessarily probable that every workplace you go into is going to have um definitely a, a a prominent uh race of any type that that happens to be um the one that you see all the time i mean you're going to see whoever you see and in this case they're going they have a they have a diverse cast even though it still seems like there's only one uh black guy that's in the main group uh you do have you do have the guy playing hank henshaw but i'm i assume he's not going to be seen around the office or all the time uh, with kara so it's still kind of like well we have all these white people and one black guy but uh, i understand where you're coming from there but i also somewhat agree with like i said the idea of not changing characters we're all used to but we are in a time of change and we are in a time of uh seemingly trying to push in as much diversity as we can which isn't necessarily a bad thing though it sometimes is startling to people who expect their characters to be one way and then they're not mm. yeah well it's a good debate and these people have all given us their very good thoughts on this big question which is a hotbed question and we move forward into next month's big question. And what is the question we're asking people to respond to this time around, Scotty? The question is, are you a fan of the New 52 era of comic books? Why and why not if you're not? Yeah, well, we know that the 52, New 52 era uh, is coming to a close as far as the branding is concerned. And we're not sure what's happening moving forward between now and June when the, the post-convergence event uh, will, or comics will come out. So have you been a fan of this new 52 era? Uh, if so, let us know why. If not, tell us why and how many you know, comics did you give, how many months did you read it before you decided that you weren't a fan, that it wasn't for you? Get involved with the big question of the show by sending in the, uh, your answer using the big question button uh, to send us uh, a, a text 
message, a, a text response using the email form for the big question there, or you could record your answer as an audio response as an MP3 file and send it to us for us to play here on our next episode of Radio KAL. I'm laughing at you, you hear? Laughing! And now we move on to our comedy sketch. The 2013 comedy sketch by the Second City Network seems sees Superman and Lois Lane in therapy. The sketch is titled Shrinkage. Yes, it is uh, family-friendly. Fa- uh, there was one one thing I had to beep out, so you'll you'll hear that. But otherwise, the, it's a funny sketch of Superman and Lois sitting in therapy, uh, talking as in, in couples therapy about uh, their relationship. Here you go. So, do you feel like you're in competition with your boyfriend's job? She has nothing to worry about, all right? I only use my powers to protect mankind. Yeah, all of mankind. <sighs> Try competing with that. He's always rushing off to save this or protect that. You know, just once, I'd like to have dinner and have him stay at dinner. Look, I keep a schedule the same way everybody else does, all right? It's just that... Hold on. I'll be right back. Sorry about that. Brainiac was attacking France. See? He can't sit still. It's like dating a super-powered toddler. Oh, I'm sorry, Lois. Am I just supposed to let a supervillain destroy the Eiffel Tower? Okay? Sorry, but to me, it looked like a job for... We get it. Jeez, you have such a hero complex. I'm a superhero, okay? What about you, always playing the victim? I do not. Oh, okay. Well, then why am I always rescuing you, huh? Just last week, okay, this one climbs inside of a robot that's attacking Metropolis voluntarily. I just want to punch this thing in the head and call it a day, but then I look and, oh, what do you know? My girlfriend is inside the thing with that yutz Jimmy Olsen. I was covering a story. Lois, do you ever consider this might be your way of acting out to get attention? Uh, Putting yourself and Jimmy Olsen in danger constantly? Who you've been spending a lot of time with lately, by the way. You can't seriously be jealous of Jimmy Olsen. We work together. Besides, you run around with an Amazon in a bathing suit. I even caught him using his x-ray vision on Catwoman. To make sure she wasn't armed. Well, can't you see how that might make Lois feel as though she's competing for your attention? You know, he's never even introduced me to his parents. You have met John and Martha literally hundreds of times. You're a real parents. The one you keep on crystals in your Arctic man cave. Okay, the Fortress of Solitude is specifically for me time, all right? That's why there's the word solitude in the title. It's like you're not even listening to me. I hear everything. Yes. Are these issues affecting your intimacy? No. Yes. No. It is affecting things in the bedroom. Let's just say someone is living up to the phrase faster than a speeding bullet. Yes. That was awesome. Tell me you got that on tape. I did. Oh, goodness. Um, fire. Those lunatics are the Justice League. Google it. You're an Well, there you have it. That was the Second City Network's comedy sketch on Superman and Lois in therapy. Only one thing alive.
Our super super secret soundbite segment happens now. And last month's sound came from the animated movie Superman versus the Elite. Steve, let's hear it again. So mind your manners, lads and lasses, or we'll blow your house down. Well, that was the sound, and we had 10 people guess that it came from Superman vs. the Elite. And those 10 people were Jeremy Crawford, Fred Walsh, David Huang, Brad Glynn, Rick Ruiz, Donovan Hunter, Hector, Matthew DeGlopper, Robbie Eleanor, and Donovan... Oh, I said Donovan Hunter already, so uh, maybe I've miscounted there. But well done to all those people for guessing where that sound came from. Let's, uh, let's hear a new super secret sound bite for this month and see if you can guess where in the world of Superman this new sound comes from. I can't carry money in this. I'm powerless. I'm not. Well, there you have it. Uh, if you have an idea of where in the world of Superman that sound came from, use the super secret sound bite entry form to send your answer in and we will read out the names of everybody who guessed that correctly. Any ideas, Scotty? Oh, I have tons of ideas, Steve, <laughs> but I'm not going to spoil them for anyone that's listening right now. I mean, yeah, you that don't want to give silly. it away. That's right. I will say that Superman vs. the Elite was a great movie, though. I love that. Yeah, very cool. All right, well, let's move into our Superman song segment. This month, we have another song request from Robbie Eleanor, who would like us to play Wish I Could Fly Like Superman by The Kinks, which was a top 50 hit in the United States in 1979. Visit The Kinks' official website at www.thekinks.info. Here is I Wish I Could Fly Like Superman by The Kinks.
That is the song. That is our show. It's uh, been a very TV and comic book heavy centric show uh, for this month. And uh, we've enjoyed talking uh, all about all those different things, all those different topics. But remember, if there is a suggestion that you would like us to uh, you know, take on board for this show, maybe there's a topic you think we need to be discussing, a uh, comic book we're not giving enough time to, maybe there's a song you'd like to request, uh, a sketch comedy sketch that you've heard that you think we should play here anything about our show that you would like to give us feedback on we're only too happy to hear from you you can use the KAL feedback form found at the superman homepage or you can send us an email my email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com or you can email scotty his email address is scotty at supermanhomepage.com and we will try to use your ideas in a future show but for now, that is Radio KL for the month of March. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Scotty, for all your input to this show. Thank you, Steve, and thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember, always look up in the sky. You've been listening to Radio KAL, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com and our proud sponsor, Patrick O'Neill. <laughs>